Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adel Amarsi Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adel Amarsi. And today on our episode, we got my good friend, Paul Webb. Now, Paul Webb is someone that I met at a peak performance conference that I was speaking at. It was a small little mastermind, uh, 20 of us in total. It was a lovely little place. And as soon as I spoke to him, you know, he put up saying that he wanted to be on a show. I got to know him and I thought, hell, I could have a conversation with this guy about practically everything, including uh, martial arts, health, fitness, success high performance and everything in between. So with that being said, welcome to my very good friend, Paul. Welcome to the show. Thank you so very much, Adil. I'm absolutely honored to be here with you and eager to get going on a conversation and see where it takes us. Likewise, it's been uh, it's been a while coming, so I'm actually quite happy to hear that. Just real quick to a shout out to our sponsors uh, for this episode. This episode is, of course, sponsored by Adelamarcy.com. If you guys gone over there, you guys can get a free download, which actually should entail by the time the show comes out, how to find your story in three simple steps and get unlimited content, which you saw in person, Paul. Um, the second is, of course, PaulWebCoaching.com. If you guys gone over there, you can actually check out Paul's podcast, which, by the way, what's the name of your show? Uh, the Quantum Creating Podcast. The Quantum Creating Podcast. Have a go uh, Have a go uh, at listening at that. It's actually quite fun and interesting, and you'll find out why over the course of the show. With that being said, Paul, welcome to the show and uh, all the insanity that is my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to dive into that for a few moments. Yeah, it's always fun. I realized that you actually interviewed one of, my, one of uh, an alumni of the show and one of my close friends that I've loved for like well over a decade, uh, AJ Mirzad. Now, curiously, yes, how, how, did you, um, how did you get in touch with AJ? Well, um, we both presented at an event in Santa Monica, California a few years ago. And uh, we hung out um, as well. We hit it off. Um, we've kept in touch. And uh, when I came back for the second season of my podcast, I, I, it's just someone I wanted to have a conversation with. He's, he's an interesting dude. Um, he's got a lot going on. As you know, he's a wonderful human being. And the podcast episode with him was just off the scale. It was incredible. Yeah. He, he always brings it. Like, that dude never not brings it. It's, it's a 100% with him. He's always in. Like, he's always ready for yeah, the shit. For it's sure. kind of amazing. Um, yeah. But like that's something I've always found with him. Uh, specifically, he got me to read a really good book called The True Believer. And it's hands down right. one of my favorite recommendations on how people build uh, cults and how people build um, right. how they build crowds and people around them and the study of movements and how they all operate. It's a really good book, just to be honest, uh, for anyone listening. Not to build a cult, but just to uh, understand how people interact and what really makes them tick. It's, a, it's brilliant. Now, that being said, however, the thing I want to ask you about specifically, like my first question, is actually, it comes down to the idea of peak performance. Right. Now, as everyone knows, peak performance is a multitude of things, um, but particularly peak performance for me, it's a mindset. And David Goggins said it best, yeah. which is uh, most people think they're at full when they're playing at 40% and they can go above and beyond. My question to you is, how do you break beyond that 40%? It's a great question, and it's something that I look at all the time. Um, you know, uh, how do we know we're playing at peak performance? How do we know we're showing up and, and not falling victim to the being busy just for busy's sake? 
um, it, it's it's a, an ongoing dialogue I have. And I have checks in place. You know, um, there are certain things that I need to achieve every day align with my vision. Um, I have a big, bold vision. Um, and in order to do that, I need to play at a masterful level. In order to play at a masterful level, it means I have to show up. It means I have to be present. I think presence is so very, very important. Um, and it's I, so I work systems. I work routines or rituals that enable me to to play at a really high level. Okay, see, that's really interesting. So I'm not exactly known for my routine styles because I am an annoying creative that finds routine can be a bit boring. Though, to be fair, routine is exactly right. what I need. So how do you quell that? And again, I'm literally, I know the people listening to my show are probably like, ah, that's really easy, but fuck you guys. This is my show. I get to have fun with people and ask them the questions I want. <laughs> so <laughs> it's always the best part. And that's my question for you is how the hell do you go from someone that's highly creative to actually having discipline and yep. focus? Because um, I don't have a problem with it, as you've seen, where my brain just works. It's channeling that chaos to do yep. what I need to do more consistently. Well, for a bit of uh, a background, um, I was a professional athlete. Um, so discipline and um, focus were necessary in order for me to become that professional athlete. So many kids of my era wanted to do it, and very few did. I think 1% of 1% actually made it. So you, you needed to have a, a, a degree of focus, a degree of discipline to be able to express yourself creatively. Uh, so that's the first thing. So um, what I learned over the years running my businesses, I've had a health and fitness business. I've had a high performance, peak performance type businesses. I've had mindset businesses, spiritual growth businesses. The one thing that really is evident in all of that is that you have to be able to work in bursts, right? You have to be able to focus for a set period of time and then recover from it. And I think what we do as creatives, what we do as entrepreneurs, we buy into this myth of go, 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 hustle, grind 24 seven and so on and so forth. And we don't factor in the recovery from it. And that's where us as creatives fall down. Okay, yeah, we really do. So how do we deal with that? Well, we have to factor these intervals into our daily working lives. You know, there's no reason why we can't be creative for a set period of time and know that at some point in the day we have to spend an hour and a half on writing copy or shooting content on video and so on and so forth. We can set aside three or four hours to be creative. We can allow the creativity to take us when it does and feel good about that. But we have to have a process in place where the stuff we need to get done gets done. Alone mode? Yeah. It's kind of one of those things. I'm taking notes of this, by the way. Um, one of the things that really kind of gets me about that is um, knowing exactly what time to block out. Because one of my good friends, Justin Goff, actually said it best. And he said that he writes in bursts. And the mm -hmm. way he does it is that he has, um, he knows what his hours are of when he writes his best. Yeah. yeah. The problem with Very mine is I actually have three separate times I write at my best. Right. The first one is I uh, write my best in the morning. Right. Then I also write my best in the evening, and I also write my best in the early hours of the morning at 3 a.m. Right, okay. 
the annoying thing is I don't want to switch my schedule schedule around so I go to bed at like say nine and get up at six. Right. Main reason is because okay. nine AM for me nine PM is way too early to go to bed. Like right. if you're not seventy, why are you still why are you still asleep? Why are you going to bed at nine? Unless you're ill or very old. Why nine nine PM? But that's just me. Yeah, I mean, look, we could discuss the science of sleep all day. Yeah. Um, but the way that your brain is set up, if you're not getting um, the, the cycles of sleep that you require that start around about 10 p.m., right? So periods of non-REM sleep um, coupled with short bursts of uh, REM sleep, so that's rapid eye movement, that's when we're dreaming, that's when memories are being sorted, that's where brain brains being repaired um we need a certain amount of these cycles per night in order to function at an optimal level as long as you're getting that then there's no reason why you can't get up early or go to bed late but the fact remains that it's essential if you want to be as creative as you can be agreed so what do you find what do you find is the biggest issue for people not being able to sleep in those cycles I think they stimulate themselves too much. I think they use their devices too late at night. I think they take too much coffee on board. Coffee stops this or blocks the secretion of hormones that get you ready for sleep. So um, it, it, it's an ongoing process by which we, in, in today's society, we, we don't work with our circadian rhythm. You know, our circadian rhythm has been designed, I use that in inverted commas, over millennia to work in a cycle with the day the, the the sun goes down we start to get ready for bed the sun comes up we get ready to get up but now we can artificially induce that with the blue light we get from devices from the lights in the front room so on and so forth we drink stimulants we take stimulants we have drugs we eat foods that don't allow us to sleep it, it's an it's an ongoing problem i think it really is. In my opinion, it's one of the things. It's the reason why I don't do coffee. Alright, yeah. Like, I, I don't drink coffee at all. It's just... Uh, it just doesn't work for me. Like, I, I really yeah, don't. I, like I have coffee. one in the morning. I, I, just, I have, you know, when I get up in the morning and go out to the gym, I stop off, have a coffee, do a bit of journaling, and that's it. You know, it, it just works for me. But if you're drinking coffee three, four, five o'clock in the afternoon, it's got a half-life of five to seven hours. You know, you're going to be jacked up from that well into the early hours of the morning. It's funny how few people actually think about that stuff. Uh, it, it's incredible. I mean, you know, when you talk about peak performance, you touched on this with a question earlier, you know, what do you do for peak performance? And, and, and it's multifaceted. You can't, you can't look at peak performance as just producing at work. You have to look at peak performance as producing in life across the board. Yeah, you know your your physical self, your mental self, your emotional self, your spiritual self. They all are you. They're all different parts of the whole. And unless you're working at peak performance, unless you're working at the optimal, masterful level in all of them, then something's amiss, and you're going to struggle. Agreed. Very much agreed. I have that issue, though. To be fair, where my peak performance is. Uh... It's it's finding the right time to work out for me, mm. and also like getting back into it because that's something I re actually that's something I'm going to ask you right now because I know it's a question that's been asked on the show before, um by via email, and that was quite simply whenever I get someone with health and fitness in, how do you start working out again after you've taken time off working out? 
because that that's the thing. It's getting started again. It's the big issue for a lot of people, <clears throat> myself included. Well, <clears throat> it, it's different from everyone. You know, we're all we're all uniquely individual. We all have our own mindsets. We all have our own interpretation, our own perspective. So that's the first thing to to understand. So you can break it down into chunks, which is what I, I tend to do with clients. So whenever I'm setting a client up for peak performance in any area of their life, we'll look at what they're not doing. So if it's not not exercising, we'll say, okay, we have to get you exercising. But to go from non-exercise to full exercise can be a real big jump for a lot of people. So we'll do like an exercise where I say, right, for seven days, Put your trainers by the side of your bed. And when you get up in the morning, just put your trainers on. That's all you've got to do for the first week. You walk around in the morning doing what you do with your trainers on. And don't go in the shower with them, though, because that will end badly. And then from there, the next seven days, put your trainers on, go out the house. I don't care if you just walk out the front door and walk back in. But what you're doing is you're building habits. You're building new behaviors. Now, research from the University of London uh, Philippa Lally, I think, did the, the research, shows that it takes 66 days on average to build a new habit. So it's not seven days. It's not 21 days. It's not even two months. 66 days on average for someone to build a new habit. So they're doing it as part of their daily routine. So if you get someone taking the care to put training kit on, leaving the house, driving to the gym, walking through the door into the reception and eventually starting to exercise and they do that for a couple of months it's now ingrained in them and then you're winning yeah i i could definitely see that for me it's a case of like i'm getting a pull-up bar put into my place uh this week actually right and i'm gonna have it right at my bedroom door and my rule is because i the time that i train in the morning is i leave my house at 6 a.m 6.15 at the absolute latest, and I want and I get to the gym for 7 a.m. It's two hours of jiu-jitsu. It's like 90 minutes of jiu-jitsu in the morning. Perfect, yeah. Because, you know, you're warming up through running and training, and then you've got, like, yeah, yeah, jiu-jitsu yeah. is, like, one of the most... People don't realize. It's a full-body workout. You burn a fuckload of calories. You do, indeed. I did the calculation of an average workout for me. I, was, I used to do, like, 1,500 to 1,700 calories in the morning. That's uh, you you won't get that in a weight training session. You, you'll get nowhere um, near that. Oh, yeah. And the reason is basically because... So to to run you through the, the people that don't know what jiu-jitsu workout is, do you mind if I run you through this as well so you can give me more... Uh, no, so you might don't. More yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do about... Um, so we lap the gym. So we just start jogging around the gym. It's quite a big gym. And then, obviously, while you're jogging around, you've got... Uh, you start stretching out your body. So you start off by... Stretching out your shoulders, you know, rolling them forward as you're running, and then you'll run backwards, and then you'll start running forward again. Then you got to touch the mat with one hand, run forward, touch the mat with the other hand, but you got to keep stance. So you drop into wrestler base every single time right. you do this. Then you've got circling in, where you're basically kind of jumping, facing inwards. You're parallel, and you're just jumping around, moving, and you go outwards. Then you've got the salsa run, where you kind of like twist your hips back and forth as you're running around yep. the gym. It's hilarious if you fall over. I've done that once. Um, embarrassing, but funny. And it's just really good. And that's basically a warm-up to start with. Then you've got your stresses for your neck and your shoulders and stuff. Then after that, you've, right. got, the, you've got two lines. So you basically do this twice. You do uh, forward rolls, and then you do backward rolls. Then you've got um, what I call... You've got shrimping, which is basically hip escapes. 
Then once right. you've done your hip escapes, you've got the wrestler get up. You got the stand up, the technical stand up, which is hand on the mat, hand up, and then you basically stand back up as if you were standing up from a takedown. Then you've got the shrimp on the elbow, technical stand up. Then sometimes you've got drills. Uh, sometimes you've got the crocodile, which I hate doing. The you know the, cro- the crocodile press walk as you go up the gym. Right. Yeah. Fucking hate that thing, but it works. You got Grammy rolls, and then you've got um, team stuff. So for instance. You'll either be pulling someone or pushing someone or pulling yourself as someone steps wow. away. So you have a lot right. of physical body workout yeah, before yeah, you've yeah, even yeah. got to class, by the way. This is not right. this, this is like the warm-up two-star class. And yeah. most How of the long does it take, usually? 15, 20 minutes. Right, and then, okay. and then we start And then we start training. And usually sometimes right. if, if the instructor's in the mood, like training starts off with you're both standing up and now you're going to like practice wrestling takedowns for 10 minutes. And then right. you're going to start looking at what this class is about. And then you've got, like, movement. Because even right. if it doesn't feel like you're doing much, you're still moving around your opponent. Like, for instance, if you got to pass guard, it's like, okay, grab the legs, push down, pull the legs to the side, go around to the side, secure position. And you're literally moving your body. Like, the amount of times I've burnt myself out just doing the physical movements is incredible. Um, and that's also because I'm he- heavily out of shape at times whenever I do these. But... Even when I'm in shape, they, they do take a toll at times. But, I mean, that you got to imagine, you do that, and then at the end of it, you've got, like, a 15, 20-minute uh, sparring session as well. So you roll around with other people at a heavier weight. Incredible. So that's a, you've done that's a lot. An, yeah, you've done a lot. And um, are, you, are you spent at the end of that? Is that normally it when it's done? Yeah, God, I am like, uh, then it's stretch out. So at the end, I right, just okay. stretch myself out. And then for me, it's a case of I go home. Uh, what right. I used to do like last year was I'd finish training jujitsu. And then I would go home, drop my bag in, pick up my other gym bag and go uh, wow. go do my PT session on an empty stomach. So I do, um, right. do about three to five minutes of uh, about 15, well, about 10 to 13 miles an hour on the treadmill. And right. then it's, depending on what day it is, you've got kettlebells, squats, um, mm. deadlifts, uh, pull-ups, uh, like just shit with your arms, you know, chest press arms, the whole lot. And then the other days you got my favorite, which was uh, the 45 degree angle leg press, which right. my yeah, old, nice. I, I love my old PT, Jay, but he was a right piece of work. And the reason is because he would never... You know how you're supposed to do your one rep max? Mm-hmm. I didn't have a fucking one rep max. What I had was uh, you'd start off with 20 reps of each. And remember this. It was, right. This is over five weeks, by the way. Week one, I had to do 20 reps of uh, 50 kilos at the 45 degree. Right. Got through that. Second part. 50... Um, I had to do 50 kilos. Uh, so I had to do 75 kilos at 20 reps. I got right. through that, but I had two breaks. Then it was 100 kilos, wow. 20 reps, and I had like a shitload of breaks. I had like five breaks in that because my legs were completely sharp. Right. By the fifth week, my warm-up set, like the first set I did after jiu-jitsu, after I've done all this workout, was 100 kilos at 20 sets. Then it was 150, and then my top range was like 220 at 20, at 20 reps. So Without like, no fuel either. You, know, yeah. you hadn't eaten, right? Yeah. I hadn't eaten. I'd do this on an empty stomach with just water. Right. How were you recovering from that? Uh, I, a big uh, caloric debt, a big energy debt, you know? Yeah, 
So the way that I used to do it, because my whole thing is, uh, and I'm going to talk to you about this in a moment, is I have a problem with snacking. I don't have a problem right. with nutrition. I have a problem with snacking. So what I mean by that is, if you look at my plate when I eat, um, I'm not exactly what you call it. I, I have uh, some, not tolerances, but like my taste buds are fucking sensitive. It's really annoying. So right. um, when I cook, I'll have like broccoli, rice, and meat, like or fish, right. or yep. chicken. That's kind of like a base staple meal for me. But I'd always cook it very naturally at home. Like, I'd make sure that I use um, either coconut butter or, or coconut right. oil, sorry, or uh, just a little bit of olive oil, not a lot, and just, like, pan right. sear it, take it right, off, okay. be, season it properly, whatever it is. But I'd make sure that there was a small amount of sugar. So that's how I'd refuel, and I'd use stuff like uh, sweet potatoes and whole grain rice and regular potatoes right. and... Really, one of the things I'm doing this year uh, that I've done this year is I've sent off a DNA testing kit to actually see what my intolerances are. So, like, my body can actually be like, this is what you need to eat. But that's what I mean. That was, like, my workout. That was literally how I did my workouts every day. The only problem was because I was then supplementing with snacking, my body wouldn't be able to lose the weight I needed it to. Right. So my question is for you, and this is a fun one, my question to you is, <clears throat> for someone that is like that, that is snack heavy, how can they actually get off of snacking? Like, snot, or stop themselves snacking so often? Well, there are a multitude of ways, but the first thing I'd point out is, and you alluded to this earlier, everything's mindset. Yeah. Right? So everything's a story. So we, we tell ourselves stories all the time. It's how, how we learn. Is how our brain, the, the, the uh, synapses and neurons in the brain connect and send signals down our nervous system and allow us to act in certain ways to perform habits, if you like. So we're habitualized. So what we have to do is we have to change the story. If you want to change anything in your life, if you go for the behavior first, you're going to fail because you're incongruent with the story that you're being told. Your story saying, for instance, you're a snacker, your behavior is saying, I don't want to snack. There's going to be a problem at some point. That's why so many people fail with New Year's resolutions. Well, does it last two, three weeks before the majority of people have failed? You have to go back to the source. You have to go back to the story. You're a snacker. Is that true? Well, yes and no. It might be true because you are, but it's not necessarily true because if some person somewhere you know doesn't snack, that means that you are capable of not snacking also. So by changing the story bit by bit, you change the end result because you change the story, you change the mindset, you change the behavior, you're changing the actions and you change the result. So what I tend to do is I tend to tell people or help people change the story. Once you've done that, once you've zeroed in on that and they're comfortable with that then you just bit by bit change the behavior usually the behavior takes care of itself it's quite funky yeah it's quite interesting how the brain actually works on that though it's unbelievable it really is yeah and we know so little about it we know a lot but it's so very little uh, yeah agreed by the way guys just a quick heads up and i don't mean this in a horrible way uh or in a weird way or paul it's just that unfortunately we kind of lost you for just a brief second oh i'm sorry no, it's all good. It was on my side. But um, hopefully you guys get the picture of what we're discussing right now. It's the fact that you can change the story. And the powerful thing with the brain is the more you actually do it, the more you change it, even bit by bit, it starts to work in your favor. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. It it takes it takes some time though. I mean, I, I think that's the problem with me. Is I'm very impatient. But okay, if you have snacks, and I might ask this: What can you start replacing them with? Because for me, I like crisps a lot, and I right. like chocolate a lot. So right. what can I do to replace those? Well, I, I would ask you the question, are they serving you in your goals, first of all? Right. You know, does it, does having crisps and chocolate serve you in your, your health goal, your physical goal, whatever goal it is? And this can be across the board. You, you know, um, we're very, very good, as I said earlier, at being busy for busy sake. We're very good at being distracted. We're very good at, at losing focus and procrastinating. Right. So you have to you have to really get clear on what your goals are. You have to really get clear on what your vision is. And then you have to ask if your behaviors are congruent. Now, look, I'll point this out to everyone. Not everyone is going to be a peak performer. Not everyone's going to be an entrepreneur. Not everyone's going to run their own business. And that's absolutely fine. If someone decides it's not for them, it's fine. You know, it's no problem. We all have free will. It's a non-deterministic universe. You can live your life as you see fit. As long as you're not, you know, upsetting or impacting other people in a negative way, as far as I'm concerned. Now, if you decide that you do want to be a peak performer, if you decide that you do want to have optimal health, if you decide you do want a six pack, it doesn't matter what it is. You have to understand that there's a payoff for that. There's a price to pay. There's work that's going to be have to done. These things don't come easily. If they did, everyone would have them. If they did, everyone would be a success. So I ask clients, how much do they want that result? How much do they want the six pack? How much do they want the million dollar business? How much do they want the spiritual awakening? Are you prepared to do the work? If you are, then we'll talk and we'll show you ways in which you can start to walk towards it. But there has to be a payoff. So, you know, we've spoke before a little about Tony Robbins talking about two types of motivation. Right. Away from pain and towards pleasure. You know, are you someone that is motivated by coming away from the pain you're in or are you someone that's motivated by the pleasure of getting what you say you want? That's where you focus. Agreed. I think where your focus is, it should actually it does bloom. Mm. You know, where you put your energy is where things grow. You know, and and look. Even on the strictest diet, if you fancy a pack of crisps from time to time, knock yourself out. Yeah, right. It's about not There's going nothing crazy. wrong with that. Yeah, you, you know. And there's a a, um, a biological reason why occasionally eating a cheat meal or having a cheat day is really good for you, especially if you're on a strict diet. You know the way that our hormones work and interact with the brain. If you're on a diet, you know your body starts to down regulate it starts to get used to where you're at and it becomes harder and harder to drop weight becomes harder and harder to get in shape you know you have a a big meal a big nice carb heavy meal you feel satiated you feel better and hormonally your body resets itself it's a wonderful thing your brain does that as well by the way so if you're struggling um to um write copy if you're struggling to to shoot videos if you can't think of subjects or whatever come away from it do something completely different change what you're focused on, change your environment, and then come back to it another time. And there you go. You'll get it just like that. Yeah, no, I agree. I believe that is something that's, that's very, very powerful as well. Is, um, is how like giving yourself those little wins and little moments of actual happiness uh, impact exactly yeah. how you do things. Now, exactly. Now, one of the things I did want to ask you specifically when it comes down to peak performance in what you do as an entrepreneur working from home and such 
uh, if you're there. What, how should you structure out your day? Because sitting down on your ass for eight to ten hours is not healthy. Like, no, so it's how, not. How do you... And you have the freedom at home, so... I, this, this question is going to be split up in, like, three. So the first question I'm going to ask is, what should you do at home? Uh, or what could you do at home to ensure that you get that optimal feeling going? Like, how would you structure your day if it was an eight-hour day? Um, well, I, as I said earlier, I, I'm a big believer in working in bursts, right? So I work up to 90 minutes totally, and that's it. So I, I'll either work 60, 75, or 90 minutes. When I hit that, I'll, so I set an alarm. I'll, I'll turn off all. I'll turn off the Wi-Fi on my phone uh, and on my laptop uh, unless I'm researching online for something. I will um, put an alarm on my phone. It will be a maximum of 90 minutes. I'll set it and I'll go. No distractions. I'm in my office at home or I'm, I'm somewhere else in an office working because I change the environment from time to time because I believe that's important as well. Um, and I'll work for that 90 minutes. When that goes, I'll make sure I do two things. I'll make sure I hydrate and I'll make sure I move. Now, I've got some bands, some resistance bands by me or they're in my rucksack um, if I'm working in a remote office. And I will do a little bit of band work, some, just some stretches to open the, the chest and shoulders and whatnot, so just to move around. So it's as simple as that. Work, move, hydrate, get ready to go again. And I'll do that in three or four, three or four times. There's your eight hours. Excellent. Okay, so that's brilliant. That's question one. Question two is um more around what equipment you should use at home because i mean i know you've just mentioned resistant bands um but let's just say you don't have those let's just say that all you have at home is your body right how would you use that like what would you do i I would i would move around so i would do something like some uh body weight squats some jumping jacks maybe some burpees maybe some push-ups I'd go under the dining room table, so I'm laying flat under the table. I put my hand on top of the table, pull myself up, so I'm doing a little recline row. You mentioned yourself a uh, pull-up bar in the house. There's so many stuff. You step up and down off of a chair. Just move. Go out in the garden if you've got a garden or on a balcony. Get some fresh air, or as fresh as it can be in London. Yeah. But just change the environment. Just move. You know, um, water, handful of nuts, seeds whatever um you know get yourself in a good state peak performance state quiet time sit down quietly for two or three minutes nice and silently with your eyes shut reaffirm what you're doing why you're doing it visualize the end result and away you go again that's excellent okay that's that's number two and my third question is let's let's spice it up a little bit Let's just say that you can get like resistance bands, you got a pull-up bar, and you can probably afford to get a rebounder, right? Right, okay. I know you said basically it's the same thing. Move, get out of your head, do what you need to do. But specifically, what sets and reps should you be looking at? Because that's the thing. Some people could just be like, all right, I stood up on chair once, yay, I'm done. And then you get other assholes like me who are very obsessive and won't stop until they hit a certain number. Right. so how do you structure it so that way you get the absolute most out of your workouts at home, but more importantly, they don't burn you out so you fall asleep at the desk? Because okay. that's my big thing is if I do jiu-jitsu on a day, sometimes I feel so tired and lethargic I want to go to sleep. Yeah. All right. So um, the, I'll caveat all that by saying that um, most people can't do many pull-ups 
in a row. And applause. Uh, such, yeah. Um, so um, you can use a band, a resistance band to help. You loop the band round the bar and then put your knees in the bar or a knee in the bar and it helps you pull your body weight up. It lightens your body weight a little bit. So that's one little trick you can use. But anyway, that aside, what I would do is I would pick three or four exercises. I would set a certain number of reps, 200, 300 or something like that. And then I would work in sets of, say, 10, 10 push-ups, 10 squats, 10 jumps on the rebounder, 10 pull-ups, back you go, until I hit 300 or 100 or 200 or whatever it is. Then I'd drink some water, get myself centered, get myself bring down my, <laughs> you know, my breathing, my heart rate and that sort of thing. And there we go again. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things I really enjoy is like when you actually can bring your heart rate back down because a lot of people yeah. don't really do that. Um, yeah. And curiously, what's oh, a there, good there is another. Sorry, I just I just no, want to add it. to that. Actually, something I've just thought of, and this might help you a deal because I know how competitive you are. Yeah. The other thing is timing, right? So you could say, right, well, I'm going to do 200 repetitions as quick as I can, and you hit stopwatch, bang. So now your mind's focused on something completely different, right? And you go through it and you see how quick you can do that 200. And it might be 10 minutes, for instance. Then you've got something to look at later on in the day or tomorrow to be. But then again, when you come back to the task in hand, when you come back to the work you're doing, because your mind is focused on something completely different, it will realign and refocus. And anything that you're struggling with or anything you need to do, you'll be there much quicker. Excellent. I mean, that's something that I'm really, really happy, especially with doing stuff like that, because... Um Again, as you said, I'm competitive as shit. Hell, I I compete over the Muse headband. Like, have you used the Muse headband <laughs> okay. at all? No, I haven't. I do know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, it's a med- for the people that don't know what it is. It's a meditation app that you have that actually measures how calm your brain is. I legitimately compete with myself to try and get into as much of a calm state as possible. That's how fucked <laughs> up I am at times. You're competing to be zen. Yeah, that's <laughs> Which it. Which is kind of very unzen, right? Right. It's the exact opposite, but it works for me. Uh, it's brilliant. You've got to find what works. You know, I'll implore anyone who's listening to this wonderful podcast of yours, Adil, find what works for you. There is no one way fits all. It's one way fits one, usually, in my experience. You know, I've worked with thousands of clients over the years, all over the world. And I'll tell you this, it doesn't matter who is successful and who's not. The people that are successful, they find their own way, you know, and you have to find your own way. You can model, you can um, be inspired by other people. You can even know how they did it, but no one has your unique insight. No one has your mentality. No one has your stories. So you have to find your own way anyway. Yeah. It's so true. Like Very few people think about that. That's the reason why I'm asking is because all conventional wisdom goes one way for me, and it doesn't seem to sit, if that makes sense. No. Like, I just you know, I don't do conventional. No, and that's a very good point you make. And look, one of the first exposures I had to personal development that as an industry was listening as a kid, young kiddish, uh, to Old Nightingale's The Strangest Secret in the library, right, in our local library. Great fucking listen, like audio. Just you know, if someone, hasn't, if someone listens to this hasn't listened to that or has only listened to it once or twice, I recommend you listen to it every day for a month. Yeah, right? without a doubt. You it's not long. In, yeah, in, it's 35 minutes, insight after insight after insight. In that, in the first five minutes, I think actually it's in the first three minutes of that, he says something that is so profound, and it just tallies with what you just said, Adil, that the, the antidote to success is conformity. 
If you conform, if you follow the masses, you're going to fail because the majority of people live lives, as we said earlier, at 40%, at 30%, at 20%. You know, it's only a very few that work or live in the rarefied air of success, 100%. So if you're following what everyone else is doing, if you're subscribing to what everyone else is subscribing to, if you're telling yourself the same story that everyone else is, you know, and by this I mean listening to the news, reading the papers, downloading all this negativity and allowing it to permeate your subconscious mind, you're going to be in trouble because you're going to get the same results as everyone else. Yeah. If you want different results, you're going to have to be different. You're going to have to not conform. And a very uh, uh, well-known old mentor of mine once told me, if you follow the herd, you step in shit. And that, that is kind would of that be, Would that be Dan Kennedy at all? Uh, was it Dan Kennedy? Um, do you know, it might have been Bob Proctor. Probably Bob Proctor, to be fair. But Dan Kennedy mm. has one that's absolutely very powerful, which is um, whenever you see the masses go one way, run towards the fire. Yeah. Whatever they're, running, whatever they're running away from, run towards it. You run it. towards it, yeah. Yeah, it's because true. It's the same thing, right? It's where you'll find success. I mean... Yeah. Like, Dan Kennedy proved this time and time again. Uh, and I've, I've proved this time and time again. Everyone has proved this fucking thing time and time again. Like, I'll give you an example. Housing crises, right? Everyone is looking at either selling their houses or whatever it is, and they're getting the cheapest amount possible for them and all this other bullshit. That's the time you should be buying houses. Yeah. Get yeah. them cheap. And, and uh, you know, understand that everything's a story. And you know, a everything's a story. Yeah, and everything's a cycle, you know. Um, there's no, there's no less money available in a depression. Your money just doesn't disappear. The money is still in circulation. We, it's our mentality that changes. So we become hoarders instead of spenders or investors. And therefore we get this, uh, depression, um, austeric mentality, you know, and, and it's driven by who we speak to, what we watch, what we listen to. And who we Go surround ourselves one. with. Yeah, who we surround ourselves with. The environments we're in. You know, don't conform. Whatever you do, don't conform. Be who you are and be it with no excuses. Yeah, I agree 1,000% to that. It's one of those things that very, very few people really think about and do. Mm. You can really... Because yeah, no one wants to stand out. You know, in a room of everyone sitting down, who wants to stand up? No one. Everyone stays sitting down. You know, you, we said at the top of the show that we met at a peak performance mastermind, right? 20 people who are playing at the, you know, masterful level. No one there was afraid of standing up. None. That's the kind of person you want to be around. You don't want to be the smartest. But if you're the smartest person in the room, get a new fucking room. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue with that. I'm going to argue with that. And there is one very specific reason. Go on. I love a good discussion. Oh, same here, all day long. Thing is, I, I've realized this, I don't say this with ego, nine out of ten times I am the smartest person in the room. Right. I just know I am. I don't mean that egotistically, or oh, whatever it is. No, it's because I'm the asshole that decides to dedicate, because I don't sleep a lot anyway, and I know everyone, that, so to give you guys an idea, everyone at this event was like, you need eight hours worth of sleep. I don't agree with them. Right. I really don't, because there's a genetic mutation that's actually only recently been developed in the last 30, 40 years that shows some people do not need a lot of sleep. Right. 
I'm sorry, Nikola Tesla, how many hours did he sleep? Yeah, but what age did he die at? 93. Was he 93? I didn't realize he was that yeah, old. He was old. He was a very old man. Uh, Nikola Tesla, hold on. Uh, I'm going to find out when he died because, fuck it, why not? Um, he died at the age of whatever this is, so it's just 13, you know, it was 87 or something. He was, he was old. He was very old. 86. He was 86 years old when he died. Um, but the thing is, you do need regulative sleep. And what I mean by that is, he's, he figured a way to hack his brain so he only got REM sleep. Right. That's what he needed. He was like, I need REM sleep and that's all I need. I'm going to go do this thing. I don't recommend that for everyone. In fact, they try and get you to do it through the Uberman challenge. It's bullshit in its own right. And I say that because it works, but there's a cost for it later down the line and you don't want to pay that fee because your body will break down on you. I sleep a natural six hours max. If I sleep beyond six hours, I am actually fucked. Like physically cannot function for the rest of the day. I am angry. I am annoyed. I hate humanity. Worst human you can be around. Legitimately, I really am. I'm a C word of the highest limit. I would use that word, but but I've been told by uh, my show producer that I'm not allowed to use that word as, as flippantly anymore because of one episode. Thank you, Pete. (laughs) <laughs> not not Peter Taylor, but another friend of mine, Pete. Um, I think we, we said that word a legendary number of times in the first 10 minutes of the show, which is fun. Uh, anyway. Setting records, right? Always. Uh, setting and breaking. But what I mean to say is that when you're sleeping conventionally, my whole thing is that if you're sleeping um, and you get the right hours that you need, then yeah, go mm-hmm. for it. And the, the yeah. same thing applies for the whole thing with sleep or with, with being the smartest in the room. Because I don't sleep a lot, uh, or at least I have two hours a night more than everyone else, on average, um, I usually put that time to actually get smarter, put things together, and you know work things right. out. But there is an advantage to being the smartest one in the room. And I want people to know that. And I know that because I've spoken to other people like, I really don't agree with this quote. It's good to put yourself in rooms where you're not the smartest so you can actually grow. That's right. basically putting you... That's like lifting heavier weights to grow your muscles because you want to be in, in, in an area where you can compete. Next thing I'd say is that yep. you want to put yourself... Don't be afraid to actually tell people what you're not good at. Like, for me, I had a conversation with someone about, like, my accounts. I hate accounts. I really do. It's the reason why I have other people do them for me. Yep. I don't understand them. I don't want to understand them. So no. that's a place that I'm dumb in. In that room, I am the thickest asshole in the room. Right. But the last thing I was going to say from that is um, being the smartest in the room sometimes where it becomes an advantage is you can help other people that aren't smart in that room. So if you're the smartest one in the room, don't just run away with it by going, ah, I'm the smartest one here, I'm just going to leave. No, look at where you can add value. Once you've topped out your value in that room, then yeah, find another room or be in two rooms at once, meaning help one room that gets along and then go to another room and where you're not so smart anymore. I, I like the two rooms at once uh, idea, actually. Um, and, you know, um, I, I think we're all driven to serve at a level, yeah. uh, at certain levels. And certainly, you know, um, one of the reasons that I unashamedly charge quite a lot of money for my services is so I'm able to show up and do things for free, like podcasts and groups on Facebook where I serve um, as well. Um, and if I didn't have the income coming in that I do, I wouldn't be able to do that. So um, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I and I agree. 
I do agree. Um, I, I, I quite like that quote. I'm not going to lie. I think that we should always be looking to grow. I think that we should always be looking to stretch. But I don't think we should be looking to stretch in areas that don't in, in, uh, serve us. Like, for yeah. instance, accounts, as you mentioned. You know, I don't want to do my accounts either. I'd rather, you know, employ someone that's very good at it and say, there you go, there's a bunch of money, go and do that for me. Exactly. Do the stuff I hate, please. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's really important to understand in, in anything you want you know if you don't like training but want to get a training effect hire someone an expert in that field to take you through the process or a nutritionist or whatever don't you know you don't have to do it on your own um so entrepreneurship is is a lonely place to be you know peak performance can be lonely uh, i was speaking to a pro tennis player not so long ago and they were telling me how lonely uh being on the uh tour is you know it, it you need to surround yourself with good people you, you don't have to do it on your own uh, even though you might think you do. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that you got to really like kind of like knuckle down and you got to have friends. I mean, that's something that people don't take into account. Mm. You need to have mm. friends. Yeah, like, definitely. I, that's one thing I'm very grateful for is the people I can just call at a drop of a hat and be like, let's have a 40 minute conversation about absolutely nothing to do with work. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. Like, Why do you need to do that? It's like, just because I need to stimulate some stuff in my head. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's brilliant. All right, so one of my favorite questions to ask on the show comes down to asking about what books you read. Right. And my question is, if you were to actually recommend five books to read to anyone that is looking to increase their peak performance, the high energy, get balance in their life, whatever it is, any area of your life that you think this has had the most profound impact, I need to pass this information on, what five books would they be? Uh, the first one I'll say is The Alchemist. Great book. One I read every Love year. Love that book. Um, the second one, uh, I think it's Seth Golden, What to Do When It's Your Turn. Clue, you know it's always your turn. You know what's really funny? That is a book that I just got recommended uh, the other day yeah. by my friend Dan Meredith. Yeah, it's a so, really good book. Yeah. Yeah, cool. really interesting book. Um, I would, one of the books that had the, everyone talks about um, Think and Grow Rich, but I'm not a huge fan, if I'm honest. Yep. Um, if I'm going to go for a classic book to read that's had a massive impact in me, James Allen, As a Man Think of, you really? will not find um, a better short book with so much gold in it. Yeah. Um, where's that? That's three. Um, I tell you. Um, well, would you say it's three? Book, I thought it was two. Uh, if we don't th- no, we've done The Alchemist, What to Do When It's Your Turn. Oh, yeah, this is uh, yep, James Absolutely. Allen, yeah, yep. as a man to think of. Um, I, I read one years ago, David Schwartz, I think, The Magic of Thinking Big. That's Great a good book. book. That's a very, good book. Very, very underrated. It doesn't get, it doesn't get as much, it doesn't get as much praise, but it's one of my favorite books. Yeah, it really is. I, I really, and then they're, they're, I'm going to go for a really random one. Um, it's called The Pathwork of Self-Transformation. Um, Eva, I can't think of her surname. I'm sorry. It, it escapes me. What was um, it? Path of Self-Transformation? The Pathway of Self-Transformation. It's a really, really good book. Mm. Really, it, it, a book that you study, a book that opens up layers of you. Um, and, and Elizabeth Prophet? Uh, some Elizabeth um, Claire Prophet, yeah, that's yeah, what I was coming uh, up with. Oh, sorry, Eva uh, Pericanos is that's the, the one. one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that one. 
Pierakos. I can't. I'm butchering her surname. It's Pierakos. Pier- yeah, Eva yeah. Pierakos. Yeah, yeah. A, a tremendous book. Tremendous nice. book. Good to know on that one. That's brilliant. Okay. Now, one of my other favorite questions is if you had, like, relating off this, if you had to recommend three movies that everyone should watch, what would they be and why? Okay. Um, I'm a big movie fan. Mm-hmm. And, That's what I asked. Uh, um, the, my, the first one is going to throw a lot of you. And it, no one gets my favorite movie of all time when we have this conversation. I'm not going to guess. Go back to the original 12 Angry Men with Henry Fonda. It's an absolutely quality movie about non-conforming. So you've got 12 men in a, in a jury room, okay, discussing a case. It looks like a, a cut and dried guilty verdict. And they start by having a – it's in black and white, clearly, 1953. And they're all in suits. And Henry Fonda's in a white suit, so he sticks out, right? And they all go around. They have a snap decision, 11 guilties come round to Henry Fonda and he says, I'm not sure. And I'm not convinced. And then it all unfolds over a a brilliant hour and 20 minutes of all the stories they have, why they think the guy's guilty, why they've ignored all the evidence and everything. And then bit by bit, their stories unravel and they all change their verdict. And it's all held pretty much in that jury room and it gets darker and more oppressive and more constrictive and eventually they come out the court and boom they're outside and it's big and bright and beautiful it's the most incredible film with the most incredible lessons uh, that would be the first one um oh dear where else would i go from this um shawshank redemption i think um is a great it's a great lesson in what to do, how to cope when your shit hits the fan and things go wrong Um, and how you must never lose hope and how you must keep moving forward no matter what, no matter what happens to you. Um, That would be one that I would recommend. Um, And uh, man, there's so many, so many. Um, I love a hero's journey. I think... um, you know, following, I, I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell's work. Um, uh, the Hero with a Thousand Faces nearly made my top five books, to be honest. But yeah. I, I would look at any movie that has a good hero's journey. The original Star Wars, Harry Potter, um, Lord of the Rings, anything like that that has a really good hero's journey. Toy Story, the original Toy Story is brilliant for that. Um, so any of those, yeah, any of those, if you want to see someone's journey unfold and what you have to go through to, to have the treasure at the end, um, is a really good example of that. And our lives are a hero's journey. And if you study the work of Joseph Campbell, you understand the hero's journey. You know that when you're down, when things aren't going so well, it's a natural process on the path to enlightenment or success. Yeah. I mean, Joseph was hands down one of my favorite people ever. There you go. Just a great mentor and a great like writer in his own right, the way he actually yeah, taught it. Yeah. If you've ever got a chance to watch the Netflix series, it's a six-part documentation on um, on his his journey, on how he basically did the, the whole hero's journey, how he came up with it. So it's just beautiful to actually watch. Um, yeah, there's also, uh, if you go on YouTube and type in Finding Joe, uh, there's a documentary on him, the journey as well, which is brilliant. 
That's pretty badass. I'll have to check that out later. Right, one of my last uh, questions I'm going to ask you, Paul, is if you actually, like, life kicks you in the knackers all the time. It just, it kicks you in the nuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's a bitch. It is sometimes a right. bitch. We all know it. But it's all about perception as well. You know, it can be quite nice. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. My question is, whenever life hits you so hard that you don't know if you can get back up one more time, you know you've got to, but you don't know if you can, what do you do to rally? I'll go and hit punch bag. I used to box as a kid at a reasonable level. Uh, and uh, it's the one thing I can do where I, I just can switch off and feel um, connected with my body. Um, so I'll go and do that. Um, I'm a huge animal fan, so I'll get out in nature. I'll take the dogs for a walk. Um, I have a, um, a, a hobby business, a reptile breeding business on the side, so I'll just spend some time doing stuff there. I'll read. Anything that picks me up. You know, If I have to scream at people like you um, – ringing up your friends and asking for 40 minutes of their time to have a conversation. If I have to moan and complain and scream, I will. And I won't feel bad about it. You know, it's all part of the rich tapestry of life, you know. And I'll, I'll have this awareness and understanding that every valley has a peak at the end of it. Yeah. It's just the way that the universe works. You know, you can't have a small step up without a small step down. You can't have a big jump up without a big jump down it's just life it's just the way it is so that's kind of how i get through that yeah that's actually a very smart way of looking at it um and something that i really really want people to remind themselves of is like life is that kind of peak and valley and something i'm actually doing in my in my office right now which is still uh which is complete thankfully but now i'm starting to add little bits of artwork and whatever it is else it is um, one of the quotes I'm having on the wall is an image with a quote over it. And that image is basically, uh, it's like a, it's like base camp, Everest, sea level, uh, right. and earth. It's like this up and down trajectory. Yeah. And the quote above it is wherever you are right now, realize there's a higher peak coming up in just a moment. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And it's crazy because like, um, and I think one of my favorite, quote and i cannot remember where it's from right now because it's really gonna bug me is in every oh it was thinking grow rich of all books this is there it's only been reminded of me because i was talking to a jiu-jitsu friend and he he quoted it and it was um in every adversity there is the seedling to have a greater or beyond or equal or greater opportunity yeah yeah and it's figuring that shit out which is absolutely yeah. brilliant yeah cool but yeah, guys, it's a great quote. It's a great quote, it's a great quote indeed. Uh, I'm, guys, I'm going to have to have Paul back on in future because there is so much we haven't discussed. I mean, for the love of goodness, I wanted to get his analysis for uh, a couple of fights coming up and everything else in between, mm. but we'll definitely be hopping on uh, on something like that as well. By the way, guys, if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and share the show. It always helps out with uh, the ratings so we can get bigger and amazing guests on as well and get more traction, which is brilliant. Um, tell your friends about it. Hell, this is how we got SEM Rush on the show, by the way. SEM Rush literally came onto the show because one of our fans told their boss, you really need to get our guys on this guy's show, and next thing I know, I had SEM Rush on my show, which is brilliant. Um, and one of the last things I definitely want to let you guys know, please on, uh, please head on over and subscribe to The Colored Commentator by the time this show is live. 
the colored commentator will be actually up and live. It is an MMA only show. Well, it's an MMA jujitsu boxing and kickboxing show where I'm going to be sitting down with a couple of uh, fighters that I know around the world. They'll be giving their insights as well as me giving my own insights from my own time in the ring um, and just having fun with it. So, guys, Paul, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you doing, uh, taking the time out of your schedule and I appreciate all you guys listening wherever you are. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Uh, have a great weekend. Bye.